Do we want to have the questions or do we want the questions to come in cold? They're going to come in cold. Okay. If I give them to you, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have read them anyway. So <laughs> he's right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of the RevOps Podcast. I am your host, of course, Jordan Henderson, and I'm joined today, as usual, with the usual cast of crews. Um, what did we settle on? You guys are labeled as attendees to the podcast. Attendees? No, frequent guests. Sir, sir, fre- <laughs> frequent guests is what I said in the speaking engagement about Brandon. <laughs> and I can, see, I can see your face. Just get defeated when I referred to you as the frequent guest. <laughs> Look, I, I pretended like I didn't even hear that and just kept going. But anyways, we're, I'm joined today by our frequent guest slash sometimes host slash mostly attendees, Brandon Redlinger and Jonathan Stevens. Go ahead and introduce yourselves, guys. Uh, thanks for having me back. This is Brandon Redlinger. <laughs> <laughs> and John Stevens. Wow. John, we're going with John today. Oh, nice. yeah. Nice. I went we're cool. Oh, you turn your, turn, dude, you got to turn your game down, bro. That is, that is sharp. I just got some sharpness on that one. <laughs> uh, well, while Jonathan's fixing his game, because it's John. constant, constant, yeah, John is fixing constant audio issues with this guy, let's be honest. Um, <laughs> we, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to introduce, we're, we're going to do something a little bit different today. And, and by that, I mean, we're actually we're going to talk about something that's valuable because we're now like four minutes in and we haven't done anything but laugh about introductions. Um, so... <laughs> We are going to do something a little bit different today. So everybody probably knows, well, everybody who listens to the podcast knows that I actually come from a legal background. I'm an attorney uh, by education. I'm still a licensed attorney. And, and what you don't probably know is that law school is mostly fact patterns. And what I mean by that is there's no like simple questions when you're taking law school tests. What they do is they lay out like the facts of a case on an exam, the facts of an issue. And you, it's a two page fact pattern and you have to basically go through and analyze what you would or would not do or advise in those scenarios and who's right and what law would apply and blah 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 right and it's very complex thing there's no such thing as like yes or no questions in law school it's all it depends and everything is based on fact patterns and so i thought it would be kind of fun to bring that concept we you know to the RevOps podcast, given my background, and that it'll totally stump you guys, which is going to be really enjoyable for me. <laughs> I and, played the best. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so, to, so today we're going to do a, a bit of a fact pattern. And this fact pattern is actually based in reality. Uh, a, a person, I have anonymized it the best I can. I also have permission to use this in an anonymized way. Uh, but the person actually came to me and asked, asked, set up a meeting and, and we did, you know, take a 30 minute meeting, uh, in advance that they did send me, uh, you know, here's my background. Here's what I'm working on. Here's the questions I have. And we had a 30 minute meeting where after the meeting, the person actually sent me, Hey, here's like seven takeaways that I took away from this meeting. And I was like, Oh wow, that was awesome. Like that's way more than way more value than I thought I provided. So that's great. Amazing. And I thought, wow, we should do that with the whole episode and see what extra things you guys could provide to, to this person, everybody else listening who probably has similar questions. So, that being said, before I go into the fact pattern, do either of you have questions about this before we totally stump you? <laughs> uh, not at the moment, but let's let's dive in. Let's see what we got. All right. Yes, sir. And I, and I have anonymized this the best I can. Um, I don't think anybody will know who we're talking about. It would be very hard for them to. So, uh, so I'll read through the fact pattern, and then we'll dive into the questions. And everybody listening, we will. I will make sure, D- Dave, this is a note. We got to put the fact pattern in the description of the podcast episode. That way, when people are listening to this, they can actually reference back to it as they go. Uh, so we will put it there uh, so everybody has it. So the fact pattern. Polyester, two words, polyester. 
Nice, right? Uh, she is a new VP of RevOps. She started five weeks ago at a SaaS company selling in the enterprise space, software as a service company selling in the enterprise space, uh, that has 250 employees. Polly has never held a true RevOps title. She spent the last 15 years working in data and business analytics, all in the financial services sector, banks, financial services, tech companies, that sort of thing, right? In roles ranging from entry level, where she started her career, all the way up to VP. She's led teams with data and business analytics. Uh, she took the role in RevOps as a new adventure and a test of her skills, right? Uh, she knew the leadership team at the company personally. And so they had reached out to her as, as somebody who gets stuff done and can come in and learn this thing. But she's never really held a RevOps role. Uh, for her, it's a new fun challenge. And she's the sort of person I can tell you from meeting her in real life. She's going to crush this challenge. Uh, but big challenge for sure. Um, she's leaning into the steep curve. There's a learning curve. She's leaning into that and she's reaching out to RevOps leaders to pick their brains about her new venture, which is, which is sort of how she and I connected, uh, which great place to start. Unbelievable. Uh, so in this scenario, you guys are RevOps leaders. Let's pretend that you're actually RevOps leaders. <laughs> <Pretty> uh, <laughs> we're going to pretend that you're RevOps leaders. And she's reached out to pick our brains, right? She's super organized. She's provided you with a list of questions that she'd like to discuss on your call. She sent them in advance. She actually did this, by the way. It was awesome. Um, and we're going to go through those questions. And that's the fact pattern. You guys, you guys, you guys up to speed? You with me so far? Are you picking up yes. what I'm putting down? <laughs> I'm picking up what you're putting down. I think this is a kangaroo court. Do you, do you need me to, like, uh, read that again? Are you still stuck on the name, Polly Esther? Um, <laughs> <laughs> are, are, we, are we good to slide? All right, we're sliding forward. All right, so the first question. Uh, we have, she says, we have high-level company goals. How do I use those as the VP of RevOps? What do I do with company goals? They may have thoughts. That is such a high-level question. Can you get a little <laughs> granular on that guy? Well, let, let's say what's the first thing you do. Somebody, you're, you're leading RevOps at a company, and, the, the, and you, you come in and they say, hey, here's our, here are our growth goals for upsell, retention, new revenue, new logos acquired. By the end of this year, this is what we want to do. What would you do with that information? Get to looking at the data, first and foremost. Figuring out forecasting, historic data. Is that kind yeah. of what you're getting at? Well, it's a good it's a good starting point. So, so pick, peel that onion a little bit more for me. What, what what would you be looking for? So the first thing, like when you're coming in, you got to understand the health of the business. You've got to understand how what the capacity is for your sales team to close business in a given quarter or a given year, and ensure your goals are lining up to your forecasting and capacity. Yeah, like do do we have does the data support that we can actually do these things right? Mm -hmm. Are these, are these goals appropriately set? Great, great first starting point. I love that. Like, absolutely where you would go. I, I think I would even start a little bit before that and saying, how did they come up with these goals? Mm -hmm. Right? Like, yeah. and, and yeah, exactly, exactly. Is, is this something that was just decided by the CEO, by the leadership team, or is this handed down to them by the board? Uh, you know, what, what stage are they at? What, what is goal of the company itself are they trying to ipo or are they trying to sell to someone in the next two or three years like what is really the goal of the company how did we come up with those goals and then then i would go to where jonathan just went is john where john just went um, <laughs> <laughs> and and try to figure out okay is this realistic is this achievable given our current um operating health and then you know i i would i would work it top down and and bottom up at the same time right you can't just do one or the other i do think you have to do both at the same time totally 
I love I love both of those points, like understanding why where those goals come from and where are we in, in progress to supporting those. Does the data support that that goal is actually realistic, right? Like mm-hmm. re- goal, goals are only important in that they're both aspirational and realistic, right? Yeah. And so super, mm-hmm. super important. Um, so let's say they are. They're realistic. They're great goals. The data supports them. And they back into the idea of we want to IPO in three years. Then what do you do? What do you use those goals for? Action. <laughs> yeah, totally, right? But but where I would start is, like, great, we have company goals, and they're realistic and attainable and all these above. I'm going to go to each team in the revenue operation and say, what are your goals, and how do they align to mm-hmm. the company goals, right? Like, yep. not, not just does the data support it, but, like, if we want to grow by $8 million this year, and I go to the marketing team, and the marketing team says, yeah, we're, our goal is to generate $7 million in pipeline this year. Whoa! problematic we need to make sure we need, like, that's not enough pipeline uh we need to go to each team and that's the, like one of the first exercises i would do is once i've realized those goals are go to each team and say great like now we need to set the marketing's goals now we need to set sales goals now we need to set cs goals that if we achieve all of those we achieve that top level goal right and that and that it's a great opportunity for you to learn and meet and, and especially you know five weeks in a row to spend a bunch of time with the leaders of those teams because you're a partner in that process with them and you're a strategic thinker and sort of establish yourself in that way. So love that. Love all of that. Anything else? I think kind of to that point, though, is the relationship building that goes along with it, especially if she's new, she's going to want to learn the players, figure out who the people are, make sure yep. there's a good relationship going. And then that's kind of where you start to dig in additionally to the goals and lining the teams up. Totally. Are, are we assuming that every, all the other uh, members of the leadership team are bought into this too? Well, we'll get to that in a little bit. Okay. okay, okay. <laughs> for for this question, let's assume they are right. Um, but okay. but I, I also I would I would make it sort. It's really important where Jonathan started with like let's go see if the data supports these goals because when you go meet with those other leaders and you're talking to let's say it's the sales leader and he says, well I you know I can't we can't increase our sales goals because xyz like actually you can have the data right like we, we have data to support that we can grow that a little bit and we need to because it's how we're going to get to our top level company goals so you go to those conversations a little bit more prepped and a little more armed to have those conversations yep and i i would build out a full if they don't have it already a, a full operating like a plan of record a por right like um w- yeah what what is our head count quarter by quarter w- what are our yeah, revenue goals, what's the pipeline, what's the coverage, and then how does that break out between uh, net new and selling into the base, and then also segment your your net new into SMB, uh, mid-market enterprise. Like I, so one, one of the first things that I saw when, when I was actually just interviewing at Engageo still, and this was one of the big selling points. John Miller opened up his spreadsheet and showed me the entire POR for the next five years. And I was like, Jesus Christ, this guy like knows what I've never seen anything remotely like this at all. Yeah. yeah, And it was built out exactly how if you affect one little thing in the whole operating model, everything else, uh, it, it gets affected. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and I don't think enough uh, companies have that full plan built out. It's just like, we have a goal, like let's try to get there. Yeah. All right, what, what is our budget? What is our headcount? Where is all that coming from? You know, 
and, yeah. and go from there. And, and if anybody is doubting that John Miller had that, go listen to like episode nine where he was a guest and you will not doubt that John Miller had put that together <laughs> because, because the guy is a machine. So absolutely does not surprise me. Um, cool. I'm sliding forward into the next question. Composition of the team. And by the way, these are really scattershot because Polly's new in the role. She's got a lot of questions that are yeah. totally unrelated right, to one another. Enough, so, you know, let's keep it that way. Um, composition of the team is the next question. Polly is inclined to decentralize the RevOps team. She currently has sales ops and tool management in her umbrella. Pros and cons to that. And if she does decentralize or decides to centralize, what type of team structure or talent should she look for for her RevOps team? Hmm. So let's start. Let's start with the first question here. Yeah, decentralize or not? So I can be a very big advocate for centralizing because I have seen firsthand how much benefit that has created for our organization as far as just building our RevOps team up in a centralized format. And just because that team is centralized, it doesn't mean that that person isn't embedded in the team that they solely focus on. So I'm I'm in every marketing meeting. I'm maybe even more embedded with marketing than I have been because I've got support now on my side with my team so I can have more time with the marketing folks. Totally. Totally agree. Like I, that decentralization would terrify me in this role, especially, especially. And and one thing that she, uh, she noted on the call was like the tools. Like I want to get somebody to come in and take over the tech stack man, it would terrify me to get rid of our tech stack and put that on another team, right? Oh, like, yeah. I, I, I want to continue to own the tech stack. And it, and it might bring somebody in to go to, to the second question. I would bring somebody in with the talent to run the tech stack onto the RevOps team. That's certainly mm-hmm. a persona that you would, you would want to have on the team. But I would still want to keep that under me. Uh, otherwise, if you decentralize that into other teams, you're going to create a scenario where marketing, CS, sales, they're all going to buy tools that are doing different things that don't work well with one another, and you're going to create a lot of problems for yourself as the RevOps person down the road. Yeah, either that or in financial services especially, this happens all the time, is just everything gets offloaded into the IT department. And then the IT department, they don't know how to how the everyday process of these tools work. They just know how to administrate it in the back end. And even then, you know, it's not their job to learn marketing and sales automation tools. So good luck if it gets into IT. Which which for what it's worth, going <laughs> going back to the fact pattern, the background is from financial services. So my guess is where this is where mm-hmm. that's coming from mm-hmm. is is the fifteen years of experience of that's what financial services companies do. Oof. It's it's not yeah. right. I don't think it's right in a tech company. It might be okay in financial services. I have no experience there, but but it's it's interesting to hear you say that because that that is her background and that's probably where that instinct comes from. Mm-hmm. Where is she reporting into? CEO. CEO. Okay. okay. Very yeah. good. Nice. Just very good. Cool. Very good. <laughs> very good. Cool. All right. Moving on. Anything else anybody wants to add to the composition of the team? No, I, I, I definitely agree. Uh, centralization with the except with maybe one caveat, as long as it doesn't act as just like, I see a lot of people who adopt the RevOps title who are just like sales ops people and they're still just serving the sales ops function. Right. And of course, sales loves it. Because now they have more resources that are supporting really what is essentially sales ops. And now marketing doesn't have the support. They just lost, uh, you know, their, their marketing and ops person. So if yeah. it is truly a revenue operations function, 100%. But if it's not, then I think there's a strong argument. Keep it, keep it decentralized. 
Yeah, and I, I think that goes to like what type of talent to bring in, right? Like if you're building mm-hmm. this out and, and they have a sales ops person there, like great, sales ops should roll into you. The next hire should probably be a marketing ops person. Th- then you're identifying where you're operationally a week across the revenue op, like the whole revenue teams, all of them, and hiring talent that supports where you're weak, right? So if you're weak in marketing operations, bring a marketing operations person in to the rev ops team. If you're weak in CS, same, same, right? All of the above. If you're weak in tools management, bring a system admin in that can do those sort of things like business analytics. All of these things could roll into this role, but then having it centralized gives you the ability to make sure that team isn't just the sales ops team while supporting the entire operation and keeping visibility and control over that. And most importantly, you can your team can prioritize amongst your team as opposed to now if you've got somebody embedded somewhere else, they're going to have to prioritize everything for them, even though it's not best for the business. And that's what totally. revenue operations is, is for the business to be successful. So you're, you're referencing those times in our daily standup when you're like, I'm working on this today. And I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> 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 which, which has happened. Like, yeah, like I totally mm-hmm. hear you, but I, this other project is way more, way more important for us to get done now. And we're going to move everybody onto that for today. Like it happens. Mm-hmm. It's a very common thing, but that's really important because usually we wouldn't do that if those things weren't more important to the revenue generating aspect of the whole business. Right. Yeah. And the, the sales ops and the marketing ops people who are not decentralized do not get a full vision of the company and do not see the challenges that the company face. They just see the challenges of their particular department. And that is not what you want in revenue ops. Nor will they have daily exposure to like how that works. And so if, if, mm-hmm. if I ask you, Jonathan, you've sat on my team really for about a year and a half. Is is if I ask you to jump into a sales ops related problem, you have so much visibility from our daily standups into how we do things in like the sales op world that you can. Mm-hmm. We don't have to really onboard you into doing it. You could just step no. over and start doing it, right? But yeah. if I if if it was before that when you sat in marketing ops and we never communicated, and I pulled you in to be like, okay, great. So like, how do I log into this tool? <laughs> like, what do I? What do, <laughs> what do I, we use for this? What do we do for this? And where, where do we, what is this? Right? And, and, and then and then I am disinclined to bring you into those things because it's more work to ramp you into the project than it is to just do it ourselves, which is, which is problematic. And that's, that's a, that's a a situation you want to avoid. Um, All right. Sliding forward. Sliding forward. We got more questions. Yeah, oh, yeah. How many times are you going to say sliding forward? <laughs> sliding forward. Slide. As long as I don't say swarm as many times I've heard Jonathan say it in the past two days. He keeps telling me about swarm the account. He swarm that account. You, gotta, swarm you, that gotta, account. you, you see this? You got to swarm that account. You got to swarm them. Swarm them up. Text, it's a perfect text, adjective. Texting me about swarming things. I was like, what is that word? Like, oh man. It's just cringing. It's uh, from bees. Yeah, I know, but like <laughs> bees are pretty smart. I hear they can swarm. <laughs> they swarm. They swarm. <laughs> We're not sliding forward. Yeah, sliding slide on forward. <laughs> We're swarming that next question, which is <laughs> what? What are and this? This is I'll, I'll, I'll sort of like make this one a little more uh, concise than it was because the let's say what are the three critical success factors in RevOps that you need to establish in the first thirty days. Hmm. I'll go first if you guys want to think about it. Because both yeah, of you leaned both of you leaned your go head back side. <laughs> <laughs> Very aggressive. Hmm. The first thirty uh, days piece is like, yeah, that's a tricky one. The, the, the first thing I was thinking is like thirty days. Jeez, well, like call, it, the call, first, it, call it ninety, but uh, yeah, okay. but I, I would quarter. actually I, I would actually say thirty for, for the first one, which is organizational buy-in. 
And that goes mm-hmm. back to like, clearly the CEO is bought in, right? They brought her in to mm-hmm. do this role. She's reported mm-hmm. directly to the CEO. She's got the autonomy to decide, centralize, decentralize. Like I know that the top level is, is bought in and that's great. That's the, one of the most important things. She needs to go to the marketing person. She needs to go to the CS lead, sales lead, all of the above and make sure that they're bought in. And if they're not figure out like quick wins, ways she can support those teams to get them bought in very rapidly. I will fight back on that one. I'll say I don't think she has to be the one to convince them to buy in. And if she is that person, then there's a huge problem. That needs to come from the top. The oh, but if, but if, it, if it comes from the top, there's not true buy-in. Because if, mm-hmm. if I tell you to do something, it's different than if your peer convinces you it's the right thing. True. Right? One Maybe of those, a, one of those you, of you see, if you show the value of something and get somebody to buy into it because you've provided value to them. So like as a RevOps person, if I do a bunch of RevOps type work that helps the marketing and CS teams, that creates buy-in from the marketing and CS leaders. Whereas if I say, hey, CEO, can you go tell the CMO I need him to do this? That is not going to create buy-in. That creates friction, right? Wait, t- so, Jonathan, is, is your point the CEO should have been the one to get organizational buy-in that RevOps is the is the right way to go to market or whatever is is that your point more than yeah. and it's spe- yeah. like I, I know i keep hammering home on financial services but I've, I've been in that side of the fence and it isn't the senior leadership the way they do things there is pretty old school so well and she's not in a financial services company now though okay, tech- okay. she's at it she's at okay. a 250 enterprise SaaS company god do we need to okay. read the fact pattern again I, I saw the 250, but <laughs> okay, fine. I get it now. <laughs> but even so, like even a lot of companies, like you get those C-suite leaders who are stuck. They have ways they've done things for 10, 20 years. Totally. Like they're, they're stuck to it. They're going to do it this way. Who are you in RevOps to tell me what I do for my job? They're not going to take an equals advice as much as they're going to take somebody who's can, can control their future. I think it's both, right? Like, I think you need mm-hmm. to show value and get buy-in, but you also need that support from above, right? Yeah. For sure, for sure. Like, if they see the value and they're hearing from their CEO, like, hey, this is the way we're going to do it, sure. Yeah. I almost think it's more getting their trust uh, in mm-hmm. you as the leader exactly. of the RevOps team exactly more than right. it is, like, yeah. I, I got to sell you guys on RevOps is, you, you know, yeah. the right hire. You it's, know? It's, it's managing up. Is what it is. Yeah. And to, to manage up, you need to earn the trust of everybody and then convince yeah. them that there's value. And you're essentially selling. Like that's the, the reality yeah. of, of that scenario. You're selling your, you're selling the concept, right? So organizational buy-in for me is like 30 days. That would be like core focus. Cause I won't achieve anything in my time at that company. If I start to do it and I don't have organizational buy-in. Well, I, I feel yeah. it's, it's building relationships. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And with that comes the buy-in. Yeah. So, all right. So that's one, that's mine as a, one of the critical success factors in the early days of the company, what other ones are there? Educating yourself, learning the ins and outs of every part of the business, every part of the organization, how it's structured, who reports to who, who's going to get in the, what, what's going to get in the way of projects you want to get across the finish line and how you can mitigate those. Those would be, that'd be a good place. You got to the first quarter is essentially just learning. Like you're, you're not going to be able to put a lot of stuff to action when you're coming out of the gate. So I think a lot of it's just building relationships and figuring things out. I, yeah, I, I do think there are some small quick wins that are probably easy, low hanging fruit that you, you can just go ahead and tackle right now. Maybe some holes that you could easily plug, but for the most part, I do think that, man, the, the first 
yeah, 60, 90 days, learn as much as you can about the business. Talk to as many internal stakeholders. Talk to as many customers as you can. Get to know the space as well as you can. Because one thing that drives me crazy is when someone comes into the business and they think they know this business better than I do who have been here two, three, five years, right? And, and they're like, here's how we should do it. And you're like, yeah, we actually already tried that. Well, let's do it anyway, right? Like, yeah, there's no way you, you have the context to make these decisions over people who have been here already. Yeah, and, and I actually think there's a combination of both of your answers there, which is like quick wins and learning everything, which is yeah. figure out yeah. what the quick wins are and then lead those projects. But know that you know nothing and leading that project is a huge learning opportunity for you because you're you're leading a cross-departmental project. You're going to engage with people and you're going to be like, cool, so what do you do? And if I need somebody to yeah. do this, like who does that? And you're going to be forced to ask questions that you otherwise might not think of because of the quick win project you're leading, right? It's a really good way to to do that. Yeah. And if you look at Phil, our new CRO, like he's had some great quick wins. And a lot of what he's doing is like, honestly, just holding people accountable, right? Getting ideas from other people. And he's leading projects where he's like, cool. So like, who who should be involved in this? Yeah. Like, (laughs) and yeah, yeah. he's, he's not saying, Hey guys, this is how it should be done. Go do it. Right. It's, Hey, like, here's an idea. What do you think? Could this work? Let's talk it through. Let's yeah. brainstorm. Let's let's uh, massage this. And then it's like, all right, how do we actually put this into action now? Wow. He's actually thinking about the bigger picture, the strategy, how everything plays together. And he's learning, he's learning everybody's roles, strengths, weaknesses, and ways to project manage, right? Because I, I love, he asks the question, and I love this question all the time, which is like, I think we need to do, you know, this piece of this project. Who's the best person to do that, right? Like, who, who's the best at that <laughs> thing? Which is like, cool, he knows that forever then. If he ever needs that, that's the best person for that, which is, which is a really powerful thing for us to know, because a lot of RevOps is project management. Like, that's the reality of it. Yeah. And to that point also, it's just, it is so critical coming into a new business. Like we have a few of those here ourselves where there are certain points that you need to know who they are or else you're going to be lost trying to figure things out. So there's certain people at our business that are the key knowledge holders of information that without them, without knowing that you're going to be spending a lot of time hunting it down, trying to figure it out. Totally. Totally. Um, all right. You know, this is what we're going to do now. We're going to slide, slide forward. forward. Slide on forward. <laughs> um, all right. This, 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 this one is going to be a bit controversial as a question, Uh-oh. I'm sure. Um, Jonathan and I will probably have a minor altercation, so everybody brace yourselves. Um, it's on. What tech should I implement right away? We have Salesforce, Ooh. HubSpot, and a few other <laughs> tools for the teams to use, like a dialer, sales engagement, and... Uh, like ad tracking. So, so what tech new net new in addition to already having Salesforce, HubSpot, and yep. what else? Yeah, uh, they have Just a, a dial, dialer, email cadencing, and they obviously have all the stuff to manage like ad spend and that sort of thing. But just that's it. Oh, and Zoom info, and they add Zoom info. If it's not yeah, that new yeah, dialer, <laughs> that's the first thing I would do is get that crappy outreach out of there. But great, answer, <laughs> great. and get that totally. outreach out there. <laughs> but um. Yeah, uh, BI, BI tool would be a huge one for the revenue operations team. They're, if they're going to want to analyze data, forecasting, understand the business, you got to have a BI tool. You can't do it all without it. BI tool, what else? Um, what else? Jordan's going to say lean data. 
And he's always he's going to say Lean Data until they become a sponsor of the, the podcast. <laughs> I've been waiting for them to sponsor us for a long time. Uh, so so um, we've got Lean Data and a BI tool so far. BI tool. Um, I'd say a good CX tool would be good. Uh, understanding product usage. If you've got a SaaS product, a, a CS tool would be great to be able to track usage, uh, understand the history of that usage. Um, being able to track NPS is a huge one understanding the health of the product and the users in the product. It's a, you, you have a face on you. Like there's something. Cause I know you could sit here and list like seven tools that you could buy. And I disagree with all of them. <laughs> I, I, did, I, I don't, I don't agree with any single one of these. Cause my, my Jordan's ass- like a, no tools. No, right. Tools. That was my answer. No, <laughs> tools. You son of a- I do it. <laughs> right. Why? Why no. you buy? You don't know where she. Your your job in revenue operations is to align your processes and procedures to the buyer's journey. She doesn't even know the buyer's journey mm. yet. She doesn't know below that what processes and procedures are in place to support that buyer's journey. And then below that, she doesn't know what technology they have to support those processes and procedures to support that buyer's journey. So before you can I even object. answer, before you can even answer that question, <laughs> you have to. Question. You have no. Was it? <laughs> it was exactly. It was, it was exactly, a trick question. It was exactly as it was read to me and he knew and, he knew what was gonna happen uh, <laughs> 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 but like you're just like throwing paint to the walls and and by the way that was like that was actually the instinct on the call was like i'm thinking this this and this and i was like mm-hmm. why like what would you do with that you have no idea what that's gonna <laughs> what you're gonna use that for yet which is fine but start by make that buyer's journey then map those processes and procedures and then say great here's what we want it to be here's where we have a gap, right? Like we're, we're not, a, we want everybody to get a phone call in the first 30 minutes, but we don't have any lead routing in place. Like, cool. Then you need lean data first, right? Or like you need a dialer first, but identify those gaps and fill those gaps and then worry about buying other tech. But most importantly, you got to do the rest. So maybe my second chance at this, before you buy any tech, <laughs> take two, <laughs> build out a technology model, like get a deck together of all the tech you own today and how it works together. And if there are any redundancies, so maybe you start with understand figuring out redundancies. Well, Do you have too many tools? I, I think that's the the third layer, right? Like buyer's journey, process and procedures, and then tech model. Yep. And see how all of it works together. And then from there, you can say, great, like we can get rid of this tool because we have one that could also do that. And we can add this tool because that will support this part of the journey that we want to support. Right. So, yeah, yep. totally. And I knew you were going to go all in on like, let me start listening <laughs> tools. He's like, well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. If, 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 jo- if Jonathan had his way, our 18 tool tech stack would be like 64 pieces of technology at this point. Just <laughs> and it would be He glorious. adds like one a week. <laughs> there was, there was like a three like month window. Where, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I knew this was going to, I was like, when I got asked this question, I was like, God, I'm happy Jonathan's not answering this. Cause <laughs> 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 their, their budget would all be blown on tools <laughs> all right. I love tech what can I say you do you really do um, by the way everybody who knows this is a rule that Jonathan is a deal that Jonathan and I made because he there was a brief period where he was like weekly sending me like five tools and then scheduling demos and putting them on my calendar so I started like just declining demos that he was setting up because was like I don't I don't have time to do that. So I made a deal with him that he gets to pick one tool a quarter that he's really passionate about, and I will take a demo of that piece of technology. But one a quarter, no more, and he's not allowed to recommend anything else. And so far, you've actually stuck to that. You did use your Q1 usage like three days into Q1, though. <laughs> it's like the third oh, man, day of I'm, the quarter. 
I, I'm going to ask what that is off the, off the podcast because there's one tool that <laughs> oh you know what I know it Jonathan's is. been wanting that I want now too. I, I'm sure it's the same one, but I good. Yeah. <laughs> and we and we had a conversation where I said, "Are you sure you want to use it on this one?" Because to be clear, I will not take another demo of another piece of your technology for the next three months. <laughs> that is the rule. <laughs> and, and he said yes. So. If anybody has that person, that has been very effective for me and Jonathan because <laughs> I am ten percent less annoyed at him when he does this now. So I can't um, wait till May till I get my next one. Round <laughs> two. Um, all right. So what are the other questions Polly should be asking? Because that was her final question. Which what a great question, right? What are what are the things? Because it's her first time in a revenue operation. She doesn't know what she doesn't know. What are the other questions she should be asking? Asking who? Anybody, us, the, company. the CEO, the, the company. company, whoever, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I would want to know, like, my, my headcount and my budget. I mean, that, that all goes into the, the, the plan of record, right? Um, but if, if they don't have that, I would want to know what is my headcount, what is my budget. Totally. So yeah. I can start building everything out. Yeah. yeah. And hopefully that's broken out by quarter. Ideally, for the next two years, right? Like yeah, Exactly. Exactly. And, th- and that's part of modeling everything, too. Like, all the teams need to know their headcount and their budget. Yeah. Yeah. Headcount, budget, where the growth is, how do we envision the growth for the next couple of years would be a big one. Are we growing headcount and budget over the next couple of years? Are we trying to kind of stay lean and mean? Uh, those are important things to understand because that can drive a lot of your technology decisions and, and your uh, team decisions. Um, also, just asking what people's problems are. Like going in and having a one-on-one say, what are your pain points right now? What is What do you wish we could have that we don't today? That is one of the most valuable things you can come in and ask people, and they will immediately feel like you care about their pain points, and that there you go, there's your relationship. Yeah, I, I do love the idea of going to people and saying, what are the biggest blockers from you being successful right now? And mm-hmm. then keep a list and figure out which ones you can quickly remove, right? Yep. That is a really powerful way to like put your stamp on a company, and mm-hmm. every person there is like, that person's a doer. Holy crap. <laughs> they came in and just did it, right? And that is and that is in a lot of ways what you're trying to do. So I love that. I think that is the most important, one of the most important things you can do is just, what's what are the blockers that you're facing right now, right? Super, mm-hmm. super, super valuable. Anything else? The, the, other, the other thing that I want to know when I'm meeting with people is, oh, what are your what are your goals? What are your career goals? That helps me know exactly how they are making decisions, right? If I know someone really is dead set on becoming, you know, CMO and in five years and they're a marketing manager, I, that, that actually helps me understand how they're making the decisions that they're making. If they're like, can I be added to that meeting? It's like, okay, it's probably because they want some additional learning and context for this. Or it's like, otherwise you're like, that person just you know, wants to make sure they're not being left out of decisions, and you can see it as a, you know, as a very selfish ask. Are you vesting? Right? Are you vesting in peace? Are you, you know, like where are you? Yeah, in it's your like career? why? Why, yeah. why are you asking if you want to join this meeting or not? You yeah. know, so th- that's something that I love doing is just like understanding what are people's motivations, and then how can I help them achieve that? Right? Because we're not going to be at the same company for. The next you know 10 years or whatever that might be it's like you know during our time together how can i help you achieve that yeah 
So, and, and interestingly, one that popped into my mind because Phil, who is my new boss, you get a boss or you get a boss, right? Phil, our COO, <laughs> is, is CRO is my new boss. Uh, one of the first questions he asked me, and this is one that I would think would be very important to ask people that you're going to work closely with, which in our role is a lot of people. One of the first questions that Phil asked me, it was probably like his fourth day. He said, what time of day are you most productive? Mm. Oh, wow. And, and, yeah. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, that's a good question. I am most productive from 9 a.m. to noon. And he was like, great. Okay. Let's, let's schedule meetings more in the afternoons so that you can work more in the mornings. I love that. And I was like, oh, man, like what a what a thing to kick off with. Right. Like, oh, God, my, <laughs> because my time is valuable. It respects when it's, it's going to be used the best. And like what a great thing to know about how I work. Right. And know about the people you're working closely with, because if you can cater everything around the best you can, when people are the most productive, it both feel, makes them feel respected and heard. It's also the best thing for the business because you're mm-hmm. maximizing their productivity, which maximizes the returns, right? And so mm-hmm. I loved that question. So I felt like I had to put it out there because, man, that was, for me, I was like, oh, damn. Like, nobody's ever asked me that before. <laughs> like, I feel like my answer is opposite of yours. I think probably, like, 8 to midnight is my I answer. I know. You, which, <laughs> Same. Yeah. Which we... <laughs> Yeah, you, you always do things and like I get Slack messages at like 1030 at night and I'm like, oh, Jonathan, like, what are you doing? <laughs> but I can say in all honesty, I've never scheduled you for a Zoom meeting in your best work hours. So, you know, I've been respected. Respect. <laughs> nice. <laughs> respect. And I did move. We, have, we do a daily scrum stand up on an ops team, which is a 30 minute thing, usually 15, but sometimes 30. And I did move it. We used to do it at 8 a.m. before Jonathan joined the team and I moved it. I moved it to. 9.30 in the morning so Jonathan can sleep in so that he can work later. <laughs> so thoughtful, I, it was, I know, it's pretty yeah. nice, actually. Which yeah. 9.30 was as late as I could go because I have a person in, in the East Coast. So that's 12.30, right? Like, I can't push it any later. But but it was like, oh, man, I got to, like, shift this because Jonathan's messaging me at, like, midnight. So I know he's not going to be on the 8 a.m. phone call. <laughs> but it it's is. It's powerful. the night owl. <laughs> oh, it kills me. Kills but me. I, 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 I do think that that line of questioning is very valuable, right? So it's not just what time are you most productive. It's just, like, how do I work best with you, right? Like, when when senior people join the company here, I like to know what what are your quirks how can i work best with you you know and it it goes yeah just beyond just work hours it goes to things like slack or email do you want texts or not like are you the type that expects me to reply right away or you know and i i just want to know for each individual person how can we work best together yeah and i think to add to that Sometimes it's better, like I know in the COVID situation, it, it makes it a little more challenging, but doing this in an informal setting, so like going out to lunch mm. or like yeah. doing it for drinks after work or something like that, you can often find that you'll get a lot more honest responses, a lot more laid back relationship building in that environment as opposed to like setting up a one-on-one in a conference room or something like that. But yeah. that's obviously going to be more applicable to post-COVID life. Yeah. Which most people are coming back from right now, so you know yep. it's great for great for some people, not great for go. others. Knock on wood. Wait, um, hold on. That, what, what, one more thing. I, I got to pull the brand in. I got to pull the brand uh, in and say one more thing. <laughs> <laughs> it, it just came to me too. It's, it's okay. One more thing. I, I always love to ask other leaders what the biggest what they think the biggest opportunity in the business is. Mm, that's right? a good one. That's a really what, good one. What do you think the biggest opportunity? Because that kind of goes back to my point of like they know the business way better than you do at this point. And then get everyone's answer and then yeah. 
kind of synthesize that. And then maybe that's where your quick win is. That's yeah. where your quick win comes comes from. Good, yeah. good way to get there. Um, that That's it. That's all of Polly's questions. I, I will say that Polly, the person, she's, she's an active listener. She's listened to every one of our episodes. I, I've been told, um, I believe her cause she actually referenced some things, which is, was flattering, <laughs> flattering and terrifying that there's that much information out in the world. Uh, but, uh, she's going to crush this role. Like 30 minutes with her. I, w- I was blown away. She's smart, hardworking, go getter. She's doing the rounds, meeting with other RevOps folks, getting all the information. She sent me notes yeah. from our own meeting. Like just, she's going to wow. absolutely, Polly's listening. You are going to crush that role. And I hope this was helpful for you. I hope it was helpful for everybody else. Our listeners. If it was, go ahead and give us a five star review on Spotify <laughs> and Apple. And if it wasn't, don't give us one star. Just shoot me a direct note on what to do better next time. <laughs> Send me your questions for this week on LinkedIn. I know we didn't do any this week because the whole thing was kind of a this this week on LinkedIn. But send me your questions. I've got a couple in the hopper, but I'd love to get a few more and, and we'll see everybody next week. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Bye, guys.